Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennial Show. Just one part of the Dopey Millennials. Caleb Johnson here with you tonight. Live in the Kia Studios. I told you this hour is is it's baseball hour. Is is we're finally it feels like we can we can feel it. We can we can sense it. The baseball is just right around the corner. Spring training. Um, what games coming within the week, if I remember that correctly, but mandatory day for all players to uh, position players to report to today. So we're gonna talk to our own 99 the game Braves insider. Grant McCauley, of course, also host of From the Diamond, going out to the wadeford.com hotline. Grant, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, I want to hit the ground running and and talk to you about something that um, I know Mark Bowman put out today, uh, the conversation um, with Kyle Wright. We learned Kyle Wright kind of behind schedule due to getting a, a quarter zone shot in his throwing shoulder kind of shut himself down for three weeks. Uh, what's the what's the concern level there when it comes to Kyle, and do you see any reason that he might not be ready come opening weekend? No, I, I think that the concern level is relatively low. Uh, I talked okay. to Kyle a couple of days ago. He's in very good spirits and you know excited about really kind of picking up where he left off. In fact, when I talked to him, he said that, you know, I really feel like even though he won 21 games, you know, he's like fixated on a couple of starts where, yeah, I'll let him get away from me, but, you know, hopefully that won't happen as much this year. And I'm thinking to myself, so you win 21 games. You're the only 20 game winner in the major leagues. You got to be feeling pretty good about that, but that just kind of shows you the attention to detail that yeah. Kyle has. The ones he was thinking about were the ones that got away, but I guess that can kind of be a, a metaphor for life sometimes, but uh, all of that aside, I think that the the concern level is relatively low right now. It's a shoulder, though, so it's always something that when you hear a pitcher's dealing with a shoulder issue, you kind of hold your breath for a minute, but it sounds like, you know, he took the three weeks off that he needed to. He has resumed his throwing program, and he will just be a couple of weeks behind where he normally would have been. So this would line him up probably for a start in the regular season on the first road trip, just not in D.C., but in the St. Louis uh, stay instead. Uh, another guy that we're looking to see if potentially, hopefully, finally, he can be a part of this uh, Brave starting rotation is uh, uh, Mike Soroka, uh, someone who I rem- remember going to Rome, seeing him kind of get this rehab process underway. Uh, where do you see Soroka at this point, and do you expect him as being a, a true viable option to be in this rotation uh, to start the season? I certainly hope so, but I think with Michael Soroka, the thing that you have to look at is, you know, is seeing is believing. And last yeah. year we did get to see him get back on a mound, and I think that was a very important step for him after two years of injuries and rehabs and, you know, tearing his Achilles and re-tearing it just in such a, a fluke way both times. I mean, you just had to kind of wonder if if Soroka was snake bit in, in <laughs> sure. some way. But, you know, his real issue right now is a hamstring on the scale of things that you could be dealing with. I guess it's relatively minor, but when you think about all the injuries that have been stacked up for him over the last couple of years, including a little inflammation in the arm, uh, once he got through those six minor league starts that kind of ended the, uh, even the comeback last year, just to try to, you know, not push it and give it time to calm down. I mean, talking to Soroka at FanFest, he was so excited about being healthy, feeling normal, not having any limitations. And then in workouts, he has his hamstring issue crop up. Talked to Brian Smicker about it. He said Mike's he's playing catch, but 
you know, until they get him in games, they're not really going to be able to size up where he fits into this rotational deal. So you've got Ian Anderson, you've got Bryce Elder, a couple of other names to keep an eye on. Jared Schuster has already gotten some early sim game action against really? some big leaguers. And uh, D- uh, Dylan Dodd is another one. He reached AAA last year, third-round pick of the Braves in 2021. That's kind of, for me, like my heat-seeker prospect. I mean, a third-rounder, that's a relatively high pick, but – Really piled up the strikeouts across three levels last year. Lefty uh, struck out some uh, some big leaguers on the backfields the other day and looked pretty good doing it. And one of those big leaguers was Ronald Acuna Jr. So anytime you're out there throwing it past one of the best players in baseball, I'm going to go ahead and write your name down in my book <laughs> so that I just have a maybe an idea of where you could fit in at some point in the summer if that, in fact, is a thing that the Braves need. And pitching depth for all clubs is usually a thing that they need over the course of 162. Grant McCauley uh, uh, fitting in with uh, what I would consider the, you know, the part of the, the John Chuckery show that would normally be during this hour of giving you those, those talking points uh, three to six months before uh, you know, your, your, your water cooler conversation. Yeah. So uh, I, I, yeah. I love, uh, yeah, I, I love getting that insight information uh, a little bit ahead of time. Talking with Grant McCauley, of course, our 92, nine, the game Braves insider on the wadeford.com hotline. Um, a pitcher who it doesn't, you know, we don't have to concern ourselves at all with any, well, I'm going to knock on some wood, of any injury or anything just to know that he dominates the field is doing something a little different. He's switching things up, uh, and that is, of course, one Max Freed, who you shared on social media, is beginning to get into uh, learning the pitch comm system. I'm curious mm-hmm. what you've kind of seen uh, with, with Max uh, you know, getting a hold of that, especially as he works with Travis Darno, who I find it funny is, is the one using that now, as he was one of the the guys who was pretty skeptical about this when it when it first kind of hit the major league scene. Yeah, and I think with anything like new technology, it takes a little bit to maybe warm up to it to start to trust it. Among other things, I mean that's a big part for the the relationship that's going on between the pitchers and catchers at all times during a start or during an appearance. But now with these pitch clocks, I kind of wonder if maybe that's one of the either kind of an impetus mm-hmm. to to get into this technology thing and say, hey, let's figure out what we can. But I watched Max throw his bullpen session, and the pitch com, I guess, has different settings, different pitches. But Max, he says, you know, he throws two different types of sliders, one that's sweeping, one that's more breaking. So he had those kind of selected as two different buttons on that pitch com device so that when he got that call – you know, from the catcher, the indicator sign, I guess, if we want to call it that, <laughs> then they knew exactly what page to be on. So that, I think, is important. Um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk to him a little bit more about that, but also it kind of got me thinking, and I saw on social media, you know, the PitchCom people were very excited to see Max Fried using their sure. products as well. I think I want to reach out to those guys and kind of maybe get as much as I can, some inside info and maybe a little tutorial on PitchCom, how it's, you know, what it's evolving into, because, you know, with technology, they're always looking to improve it and where they see it going in the future with Major League Baseball, because it is, I think, a bigger thing that we're going to see more and more and more of, particularly with the rules changes, the pitch clocks, the pitch timers, all of those kinds of things. Anything that can shave a little bit of time off of that process, I think pitchers are going to be looking into. Talking with Grant McCauley, our 92.9 The Game Braves insider on the wadefor.com hotline. Uh, you know, Grant, you alluded to one of the changes we're seeing coming to baseball this year with the pitch clock, something uh, we listened to some audio uh, earlier of Max Reed talking about that pitch clock and just having to get used to it. One of the other rules coming to Major League Baseball is, of course, the, the quote-unquote ban of the shift. 
I saw something earlier this week that really caught my attention uh, simply from the fact of how teams could potentially attack uh, this band of the shift and maybe uh, use an outfielder to come to the, you know, right at the dirt essentially to to try to combat some of this and, and still get some of those easy balls that that shoot through the gap. How creative do you kind of expect Major League Baseball teams to be or um, is this more, or, or I guess it's more of like, are we going to get what Major League Baseball was looking for of more offense and teams relying on athletes to be athletes? Or are we going to get more of this kind of sneaky uh, moving guys around, but within the rules sort of thing? I think the teams will be a little bit more cautious with the outfielders, but I would expect for clubs, particularly ones like the Tampa Bay Rays and teams that really rely on this, to maybe throw caution to the wind and, you know, drag the left fielder over and have him in a particular spot. And, you know, it's just like you used to have the third baseman over behind the second baseman and first baseman kind of is that, I don't know what you call it, like the rover type position yeah. that you had in softball. <laughs> maybe they'll try that. But I'll tell you this, somebody pokes a ball over the left field and there's no outfielder out there, they're going to run forever. So I, I just <laughs> don't know if that'll be seen as much because, yeah, true, you got to put the bat on the ball. It's a lower percentage play. A hitter would have to maybe change his entire approach in order to serve a ball over into left field. But when and if it does happen, that would probably look like one of the more egregious uses, you know, backfiring usages of the shift that we've probably ever seen. So there'll be a little bit of that, but I think that the biggest thing is they want to reward the ball being put in play. The shift was really tough on hitters. There's still going to be a lot of swing and miss. That's just kind of part of baseball right now. But for guys like Matt Olson, maybe even somebody like Ozzie Albies, who feels like to me gets a little pull happy as well, especially from the left side, he could see a few balls be, you know, make it through the, the right side of the infield and pick up a few singles. But I don't see this as, and I talked about this earlier, you know, with Chris Goforth, it's not going to be some seismic shift where all of these hitters are immediately going to change their approach. It's sure. more or less trying to hit to your strengths and you know, put the ball in play. And if there's less fielders in that spot, I think this thing's going to kind of work itself out. But I don't expect this to be a huge numbers advantage for, you know, for left-handed pull hitters all of a sudden getting 30 or 40 hits that they weren't getting in previous years. I just feel like it's it's probably – it's a wait and see, but I don't think we can necessarily expect it to be just this huge amount of base hits that weren't there prior. I, I think the game is just going to have to continue to evolve a little bit, and we'll see if maybe they give back a little bit of the shift. I kind of felt like limitations might have been the way to go rather than the full ban that Major League Baseball decided to enact this year. All right, Grant, I know, you know, you're, you're an eternal optimist, um, but we have this situation, at least it feels like a situation to me, with Marcelo Zuna today who comes into camp on the day, you know, it's mandatory to, to come in um, mm -hmm. and then talks about and blames shoulder inflammation as the issues for his arm this past year. Mark Bowman threw out a tweet that kind of, uh, fact-checked that and showed that last year was one of the better years for Marcelo Zuna's arm. Uh, what are your expectations for, for Marcel this soon this season? And what do you kind of see the Braves treating this situation as we've heard, you know, like Brian Snicker talk about the fact it's open competition there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. And I think that's the biggest thing that you, you look at with this is, and I, I wrote about this earlier today and you can find it over on from the diamond.com where you know, from from here from Marcel this morning, 
you know, he is hopeful that he's going to be able to put a lot of the things behind him that has included some off-field incidents and a lack of on-field performance. And at 32 years old, it just feels like he's at a crossroads. So the fact that he did spend a portion of the winter working on his throwing arm, I really did not expect to hear that this morning. So I, I will say on the flip side of the coin, the fact that he's doing work on that, sure. that's heartening if you want to use the word. Do I expect him to go from the lower 20th percentile or 20% of the league in, as far as arm strength is concerned to the upper half of the league? Not really, but any little bit's an improvement. And he does feel like if he has his arm back fuller, healthier, whatever you want to call it, that it would be a benefit. But then again, if you think about Marcel Azuna and how he best serves this club, it's not playing a lot of outfield. He did look like he was in good shape. I watched the batting practice. Ball was jumping off the bat. Those are great things to see, but you got to get in games. And for Marcel, is going to be trying to put up numbers that looks a lot more like the hitter that the Braves signed to an extension than the guy we've seen the last two years. He struggled mightily in 2021, then got suspended, came back in 2022. And while he did make hard contact, his walk rate completely cratered. He's not a useful base runner particularly. He's certainly not you know, a, a worthy outfielder that you want out there every single night. There's a liability factor there. He just doesn't seem to be able to put together a, a full quality season. He did after coming back from his second off-field incident and that arrest for the DUI. He did look better at the plate than he had since really early April. I don't know what to make of all that other than to tell you when I see a large sample size of at-bats like we've seen with Marcel, about 750 over the last couple of years as far as plate appearances is concerned, and you're one of the 10 least valuable players in terms of wins above replacement, it pretty much tells me where you are right now. And the fact that the Braves own $37 million is the overwhelming factor in why he is still presently employed by the Atlanta Braves. If he does not produce this year over the first probably few months, maybe it finally becomes that, that time where the Braves make a decision of, hey, we're better off with this roster spot than you know trying to get something out of Marcel if he's just unable to produce. So I do think, to make a long story very short, he is at a crossroads, and I think he recognizes that fact as well. That is our 92.9 The Game Braves insider, Grant McCauley. Of course, go give his podcast a listen from the Diamond. Grant, appreciate you giving us some of your time tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. All right. Continuing with the Braves theme, continuing with the baseball theme, uh, I heard an interview earlier this week, and it was funny. When the announcement came that Brandon Godden was going to be the new play-by-play -play voice for the Atlanta Braves, I, for one, got really excited because I've played my fair share of Madden, and I know that voice, and I know what that voice can bring to the booth that uh, uh, that Chip Carey moved on from to, to go to the Cardinals. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I can see if I can get Brandon on the show. And literally that same day, Brandon Godden was in studio with Dukes and Bell. I'm going to let you listen to that interview coming up next. It's the Dopey Millennial Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.